if you put alcohol-based lotions on the skin that's already kind of irritated, dry, itchy, it's probably going to dry it out more. Just use natural oils. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money on anything expensive and just work it in there just to try and protect that skin because that dry area skin then becomes a place where you get more toxins into the body. It sets the stage for infection. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, The Chantel Ray Way. And each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. And today's guest is Dr. Eric Balkovich, and he is the founder of Rejuvagen. It's a premier healthcare center that focuses in functional and regenerative regenerative medicine. Um, and he specializes in all the things I love to talk about, chronic health challenges, autoimmune issues, thyroid issues. So welcome, Dr. Eric. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, so talk to us about your, what, what drove you into getting into functional medicine? Well, I mean, the reality is I had no intention of really getting into functional medicine initially. I, I, I was uh, really a medical technologist or going to school for medical technology um, and found a chiropractor who helped me with a, with a personal back injury. And then I made the switch of the transition to chiropractic uh, care and go to going to chiropractic school. But when I came out, I was going to be, you know, chiropractor, just like everybody else adjust the spine and, and do musculoskeletal things. And, um, you know, I think it was a family member that really got me started down the road of trying to figure out what was going on with, with them. And they were struggling with hypothyroidism and a number of issues. And so, uh, you know, I had to go back to my roots in blood chemistry and start trying to figure out what was going on. So I started going to functional medicine seminars and really trying to figure out what was different um, in in blood chemistry that I could help this help my family. And it turns out she had hypothyroidism, she had Hashimoto's, and we wound up having to identify you know, what was a better way to help her than just putting her on her medication and just doing some surgeries to address other issues. And um, so we started working on her. And then as I'm starting to help her, I was talking to start talking to my other patients. And, you know, there's a lot of people that were struggling with chronic hypothyroid symptoms. A lot of them either had the symptoms and weren't diagnosed, or um, they had symptoms and were diagnosed, were on meds and still had symptoms. And so I started kind of going down that path. And, and once you kind of go down that path of trying to address, uh, you know, why people have hypothyroidism, then that leads you to, hey, I got to figure out what the root cause is. And so then you start looking at gut function and hormones and compromised diet and lifestyle. And now, um, you know, that's pretty much all I do. I mean, I still have a few uh, you know, strictly chiropractic patients that I see, but most of what we do is take care of people who are struggling with chronic uh, hypothyroid symptoms and uh, the related, related challenges that go with that. So what would you say are the number, if you had to say the top two reasons why people, the, the root cause of why people have some issues with their thyroid? 
Well, I think first of all, we got to talk about the different types of thyroid disorders, right? So I really try and simplify it down to two things. One, you either have a glandular problem, right? The gland's not producing uh, enough thyroid hormone, and, or you have a cellular problem where the thyroid hormone's being deactivated at the cellular level, okay? So when what, what allopathic medicine really addresses is the glandular problem. And so when we talk about glandular hypothyroidism, something is causing the thyroid gland to not uh, produce thyroid hormone. That could be something that's uh, disrupting iodine into the, uh, into the thyroid gland. Uh, it could be endocrine disrupting chemicals. It could be toxins. It could be uh, estrogen. Something is causing the thyroid gland not to be able to make enough thyroid hormone. The most common cause is Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune attack on the thyroid gland. And so, Medicine is really good at um, identifying primary hypothyroidism and treating primary hypothyroidism with primarily T4 medications. Sometimes you'll get somebody who's kind of progressive that does T4, T3. The problem is, is that what causes hypothyroid symptoms isn't really about the gland. It's about how much thyroid hormone gets to the cells and and to the tissues. So many people can have hypothyroid symptoms and have a totally normally functioning thyroid gland uh, because their cells are under stress. When the cell's under stress, you get a general deactivation of thyroid hormone locally, and that causes hypothyroid symptoms. And that usually happens for weeks, months, years, even decades maybe before the gland becomes dysfunctional. So medicine's good at once the gland has become dysfunctional at giving thyroid hormone but the problem is a lot of people struggle with cellular hypothyroidism for long periods of time, and it's just missed in that traditional model. I think it's important to, to point out, too, that by the time you have uh, that you get diagnosed with primary hypothyroidism, you may have lost almost 90% of the function of your thyroid gland. So we're not catching or we're using that kind of TSH, T4 model to identify primary hypothyroidism, by the time somebody's gotten there, they've had quite a bit of their thyroid hormone damaged, and they may have been struggling with symptoms for you know, 5, 10, 15 years before that gland is at a point where it's not working anymore. Yeah. So for me personally, that's what happened to me. I have Hashimoto's and I was on Synthroid, 125 milligrams of Synthroid. This was years ago until I started really understanding that my problem was I couldn't convert my T4 to my T3. And so you kept giving me T4, which doesn't do me any good because if my T4 can't convert to my T3, um, that's a problem. Let me ask you, a lot of people now are talking about not just doing the desiccated uh, thyroid where it has a combination of T4 and T3, but actually just taking T3 on its own, small doses of it. Have you prescribed that to any of your patients and how has it worked for them? No, I don't. I don't. I don't prescribe medications. Uh, I'm a functional medicine practitioner. I don't. I don't have a prescriptive license to provide it. Gotcha. I'm not a huge fan of T3 only medications um, because there's a couple reasons for that. One, um, if somebody's got a problem with the conversion of T4 to T3, then the thought process is if I just take T3, then most of the cells, most of the most of what we call the genomic actions, the things that we consider with increasing metabolism are driven by T3 in the cell. The issue is, is that the vast majority of cells prefer to make T3 at the cellular level. 
Okay. So they prefer T4 and then the cell, the, the cell itself can determine whether that T4 is converted to T3 or that cell is converted to reverse T3. There are some cells that require T3. I mean, they can't, they don't have the deionases to convert T4 to T3. So some cells and tissues need it. The other problem is, is that people get, you know, are told, Hey, if you're, if you have a problem with conversion of T4 to T3 and your T4 is converting to reverse T3 and we just give you T3, then it can't convert to reverse T3 and therefore you're going to be fine. Well, the problem with that thought process is, is that the same mechanisms that are causing T4 to be deactivated to reverse T3 are still going to deactivate T3 to T2 or one of the four forms of T3 to T2. Um, so that it may be helpful temporarily, just like T4 can be helpful for some people in some tissues, but it doesn't necessarily always fix the issue. The cell is still deactivating thyroid hormone. And so it doesn't matter if you give T4 or T3, it's still deactivating it. I know the reason a lot of functional medicine and our integrative medicine practitioners provide T3 is they'll say, listen, T4 can convert to reverse T3 and reverse T3 blocks the nuclear receptors and, and blocks T3 from binding to the receptors. Uh, and that's never really, I've not seen, I've read, hundred, I've read hundreds and hundreds of papers and I've never seen that anywhere documented. Um, T3, the, the conversion of T4 to reverse T3 is, is usually primarily done by what we call deionase 3. And that's usually done at the plasma membrane and even outside the cell is where the deactivation occurs. The, it's not occurring in the nucleus of the cell. So reverse T3, unless somebody can prove me wrong, does not bind to the nuclear receptor inside the cell. It doesn't block T3 at the nucleus of the cell. And so that whole idea just doesn't make sense. The other, what people I think often get confused with is there are receptors on the outside, what we call the plasma membrane of the cell. They're called integrin receptors. And T4 can, can bind there. T3 can bind there as well and do what we call non-genomic effects. And reverse T3 can bind to those integrin receptors and potentially cause a blocking action there. But it's not the blocking action that most people are considering when they're talking about taking it. So for me, I try and get most people to understand that, look, if your body's deactivating T4, it's deactivating T3 too. So instead of trying to flood the system with me more and, and kind of patting ourselves on the back and saying, hey, I, I, look, your reverse T3 went down. Well, obviously it's going to go down because you're not providing T4 to convert to reverse T3, but it doesn't mean you fix the problem. And I do get concerned for those tissues that only take up T3 that we may make them a little bit more um, hyperthyroid. And is there any supplements that you've seen that you say these supplements really make such an impact on the thyroid, Would like selenium or... Uh, you know, zinc or anything that you've seen, iodine that you say, this is when we see patients and we've added this supplement into their diet, they're missing that. And that's one of the reasons why their thyroid may be lacking. Well, I mean, somebody could be iodine deficient, right? So you could say, hey, is this person iodine deficient? The problem is we don't have, you know, great testing to be able to say, hey, is a person iodine deficient? And so there are some urinary iodine tests out there um, that you could do. Um, you could do 24-hour urine, you could do a spot test, and you can look and see, is the person iodine deficient? And But the research on that isn't, isn't great. Now, if they have elevated 
toxicity. They have high fluoride, bromine. Uh, they have high estrogen and they have indicators that may be things that may be blocking iodine absorption, then yeah, iodine could be helpful. Um, is it potentially problematic with somebody who has autoimmune issues, especially TPO antibodies? Possibly. Um, could selenium be helpful? Yeah, it could be. Uh, is um, glutathione help, potentially helpful? Could zinc be helpful? All those things could be helpful. The challenge I think for a lot of people is, is that they have hypothyroidism and they say, well, I'm going to support the gland with these, with this formula that's going to fix my thyroid physiology. Well, if you're under, if you have a state of stress, okay, in the body, the body and the body is causing autoimmune attack on the gland. Maybe it's a selenium deficiency, or maybe it's just part of the cell, what we call the cell danger response. And so the selenium that you're hoping is going to help your thyroid conversion or help help your thyroid physiology may not even go to do that action. So it's hard to direct based on a supplement just because a bottle says, hey, this is the thyroid support formula. It doesn't mean the ingredients in there are actually going to go support your thyroid. But yeah, there are some general things that are probably important for most people who've got thyroid issues, but it's not uniform. I mean, the most important thing is, is that we get people to understand that if you have hypothyroidism, what we need to do is identify, is it glandular? Is it cellular or is it both? Anybody who's got glandular hypothyroidism probably has cellular hypothyroidism. That's why they have symptoms. But you can have symptoms, have cellular hypothyroidism and have a perfectly functioning gland. In that situation, the most important thing to do is look at diet and lifestyle factors to find out what is the, what's creating what we call cell stress that's causing the thyroid hormone to be deactivated and address those. It doesn't come in a bottle. In most cases, it's a lack of absorption, there's a gut issue, there's a poor sleep issues, uh, some type of lifestyle issue that's causing the cells to perceive excessive stress. They shift from what we call homeostatic regulation to allostatic regulation, and then they shift from making new cells, new tissue, new skin, new hair to cell defense. And so energy gets used to go kill things or to protect the cell, and the things that are less important kind of get turned down in a hypothyroid state. Awesome. Well, this is a question I like to ask all my guests. And walk us through a day in the life of Dr. Eric. Like, what did you eat yesterday? When did you eat it? Are there certain foods that are off limits for you or that you avoid? What What did yesterday look like for you? Well, I, I would say for most people, when they're considering, like, what's the best diet? Here's a person who's, a, who's dealing with thyroid physiology patients in his practice. What's the best advice that they would give from a dietary standpoint? I, I try to be real for most people. And that is the best thing you can do is eat more whole food, real food. And I think, you know, me too, in the, the vast part of my day in my life, 80% of the food I eat, I try to make sure it's whole food, real food. That's step one. Now I am gluten uh, intolerant to some level. Um, and so I do not eat gluten based foods, but I also don't then say, well, I'm just going to eat a lot of gluten free processed foods. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's the, that's the trade-off. Is there a benefit to being gluten-free, should everybody be gluten-free? I don't think so. I, I don't think, if you don't have a gluten issue, there's potentially some reason to consume gluten uh, or consume grains. So um, I, I'm not totally against it. Uh, as far as eating, how many meals a day do I eat? I, I'm pretty liberal. 
and I go with the flow. Most days I would say four to five days per week. I probably eat two meals per day and do like a time restricted eating. Uh, is that right for everybody? Mm, maybe, maybe not. I think you'd need to determine what is best for you with the help of maybe a functional medicine practitioner, but that's my style. I mean, I get up, I may have a, a, a cup of coffee early in the morning um, and then not have anything to eat until lunch, have dinner, and then try and wrap it up. So I try and have my time, my timed eating window somewhere in that six to eight hours. But if I'm hungry, if I get up and I'm hungry and I want to eat, I'm going to eat. Uh, as far as the lifestyle wise, I try and get eight hours of sleep per night because I think that's critical to get good quality sleep. Um, definitely. I, I talk about breathing and the importance of breathing appropriately. And so I, Definitely, if I don't nose tape or mouth tape uh, the night before, uh, I probably don't have as good a quality sleep. I've had a broken nose multiple times, and so that, you know, I got one nostril that doesn't work too well. So if I have any level of inflammation, nasal passages get closed off, I open my mouth to breathe, that creates hypoxia, and that's going to disrupt uh, sleep. And it's also going to cause increased deactivation of thyroid hormone. So it's going to increase that conversion of T4 to T to reverse T3 and T3 to T the inact, inactive forms of T2. Um, activity every day. Try and usually try and be active every day. I was up, you know, today up four mile run. Uh, I came back. It typically on my when I'm if I'm at home, which I am today, doing some work. Um, and even in my office, I'll set my timer for 20 to 30 minutes. And every 20 to 30 minutes, I'll get up and do something. If I'm not dealing with patients, um, my timer's going off. I'll do, you know, 20 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, you know, just to get up, move, and do some physical activity. And I try to get my patients to do the same thing because, you know, we all say that, hey, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have an hour. I don't have two hours. You don't need an hour or two hours of consistent uh, exercise every day. You just be, need to be more active. And I, I, so I've adopted what I call the 20 minute rule, which is every 20 minutes, get up and do something, whether it's five squats, whether it's pull up, push up, you know, run up and down the steps a couple times. It doesn't have to be much, but get, get yourself up and moving. Um, you know, so at physical activity, good diet, good nutrition, try and drink lots of water, healthy water, uh, get plenty of rest and sleep and work on always work on studying emotions reading and time with family awesome i love it well let's jump right into the questions this is from abby in tampa the other day i found a small very dry and itchy patch of skin on the back of my neck i didn't think much about it until it continued to itch every day i've tried putting moisturizing lotion with dryness but sometimes it burns when i use it I haven't switched my laundry detergent and haven't been using any new kinds of lotions or body washes. I think some days are worse than others. Is this psoriasis and will it spread to other areas? Is there any kind of lotion or cream that will stop the itching and what supplements work for psoriasis? Well, first of all, uh, I think if she's, if she's got some itchy skin, stuff on her skin, I would definitely say, you know, um, one of those things, obviously, go see your dermatologist. Make sure that it's nothing more, more significant or more sinister. Okay, that would be one, probably a good thing to see. And look for a dermatologist who's more functionally or integrative medicine based. Um, could the issue be psoriasis? It could be. And so, what you want to do is, if there's something 
that's some area of the skin that's dry, that's irritated, we want to rule out, uh, is it an immune or an autoimmune issue going on? And I would suggest that the potential uh, is that there may be, we, well, there may be a gut issue, there may be a thyroid issue, but we need to look for what's the root cause issue. Before she, without going to a doctor, one of those things I would tell her is probably the moisturizing lotions she's trying to put on there are probably alcohol-based. If you put alcohol-based lotions on the skin that's already kind of irritated, dry, itchy, it's probably going to dry it out more. Probably a couple of the cheapest things that she can do just to moisturize that area of skin is just use natural oils. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money on anything expensive. Try some avocado oil or olive oil or coconut oil or uh, jojoba oil or some, or even some aloe vera and just work it in there just to try and protect that skin. Cause that dry area skin then becomes a place where more, you get more toxins into the body. It sets the stage for infection. Um, as far as laundry detergent and stuff like that, I would say uh, take a look at your lotions and the laundry detergents and the things you're putting on and find out how much toxicity is in those things. That could still be a thing that's causing issues. And it, sometimes it takes weeks, months, or years of using the same kind of toxins in our chemicals that whether we're washing our stuff in it or it's the stuff we're putting on our skin before it really becomes a problem. So look at that. I mean, you go to ewg.org, look at the healthy beauty um, health and beauty uh, things that they have listed that are safer for the skin. Do, I would definitely do that. Uh, I always consider the fact that if somebody's got skin issues, there may be a root in the gut and the GI tract. So, you know, look at health history. Do you have a, do you have a health history of gas, bloating, pressure, loose bowels, constipation, diarrhea? Um, do you get gas and bloating after meals? Uh, do you have other symptoms that may be associated with GI issues? Definitely is something to consider that at the root is maybe some type of GI or even an, even an autoimmune issue. And definitely uh, you need to consider is there, is there potential uh, for some type of underlying thyroid issue, even though it's only in a small area of the skin. So is there a specific... Um, Supplement. I, I'm not a, here's my symptom. Here's the supplement protocol. That's really not my style, but I will tell you that the vast majority of the skin is, has a high level of omega-6 in it. And so if you're not a person who's getting parental oils in your, in through your diet uh, to get some type of parental oil that has some omega-3, omega-6 as the parent oil um, and start utilizing those things. But I would give you those basic recommendations. I'm so excited that my second edition book came out and I've added a ton of new content with actual transcripts from a bunch of thin eaters that I interviewed. Go to Amazon or go to ChantalRayway.com and you'll get a bunch of free gifts when you buy the book. We also have a new video course featuring all the thin eaters coming out. So go to ChantalRayway.com for more. If you're wanting to take yourself to the next level, everyone needs a coach. Every professional player has a coach. We want to come alongside you and help you in your journey. Go to ChantalRayway.com slash coaching. Now back to the show. All right, this is from Lily in Virginia. I've recently changed my entire lifestyle to deal with Hashimoto's. The last four years have been the hardest because of severe depression, 50-pound weight gain, and losing my 12-year-old, a 12-week-old, baby by miscarriage three years ago, followed by infertility. Now that I've recently broken free from what felt like a prison inside my body, I have left 
to fix my sexual hormones. I struggle desperately with vaginal dryness and libido. In fact, my husband and I have not had sex in eight months now because of it. I truly want to fix the root causes for everything, so I'm doing what I can to be healthier and reduce inflammation and stress rather than just slapping on a Band-Aid. What else should I be doing for my sexual health? I'm 22 and I feel like I should not be having a libido issue. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I would say she shouldn't have be having a libido issue at 22. And if that's where she's at, she's and she doesn't get to the, some of the root cause issues. She's in, she's gonna she's not gonna have such a happy life, I would think. But I think the key is we and there's a lot we don't know here. Um, she's had a life. My entire changed my entire lifestyle deal. So one of the things I would guess is that she said four years have been the hardest, right? So I would guess that her Hashimoto's was diagnosed um, four plus years ago, somewhere in that range. Uh, my number one concern is, is that by the time she developed Hashimoto's, that wasn't the beginning of her problem. She was still having some level of cellular hypothyroidism. And that's probably why she's had 50 pound weight gain. Uh, it probably led to the loss of the child because she wasn't healthy enough to really maintain the full pregnancy. Um, and, and I don't know what broken free and what she's got left to fix her hormones. So I would say, I don't know what that means, um, but I would still want to take a look. If it was my patient, I would want to take a look at, okay, let's make sure we understand what may have, when did, the, when did we start having symptoms and what was her cycle like, hormones like even prior to being diagnosed with hypothyroidism. When she got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, what was the treatment, right? What was done? Was she put on thyroid hormone medications? Is she, con is she having the conversion? Um, maybe she's got problems with thyroid phys physiology that still persists, that needs to be addressed. And that's part of the reason why she's got the hormone issues. I would say that one of those things that may be beneficial to her uh, because she feels like the libido issues and the hormone issues are like her primary is to have, you know, work with a functional medicine practitioner who's going to run more of a functional hormone test, maybe something like the Dutch test uh, to take a look at her hormones. Uh, and then along with that, maybe a comprehensive metabolic panel that's going to give us indication, like, did she really address all the issues? Because a comprehensive blood chemistry issue that's interpreted, not just red for highs or lows, is going to help us understand like you you change some things in your diet and lifestyle but some of the some of the underlying issues still persist and that's what we really want to do in functional medicine so if she's lost all the way she feels fantastic and it's really just a hormone issue then a dutch test will be able to kind of point out maybe some part of the what's going on in the physiology but my guess is she's still got some issues um that are causing the th the hormones estrogens, testosterone to be, and progesterone maybe, and even cortisol to be dysregulated. And we need to get to that root cause issue. And what the Dutch test is probably one of the better tests to do that. Awesome. I'm reading over the last th three questions that we have and they're, they're so specific. Sometimes people send in questions and they're, they really, like sometimes they're general and sometimes they're, they, they don't give us enough information to kind of answer them. So I'm just going to kind of summarize um, what a couple of these questions are. But one of the girls talks about some knee issues um, 
and she's talking about taking Advil. Talk about Advil for just a second, because I feel like, you know, I get, my, my husband has some back issues, and he's been taking so much Advil, and I'm telling you, I am not, I am so anti-Advil pain medicine. Um, talk about your thoughts on that. I'll, I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, listen, I think if somebody has a periodic ache or pain and, you know, uh, those things can be things that, you know, temporarily modulate it. But if you find that you're every time you're exercising or just every day, you need some type of anti-inflammatory medication just to get through the day. You take two in the morning to get started, then two at the end of the day, you know, so you can sleep at night. You got an underlying issue. And so there's an underlying inflammatory issue and we need to get to the root cause as to why. Uh, a lot of people, it's just because I have back pain. It's just because, um, you know, I have, heart, I have arthritis. Well, maybe, or maybe the issue is something's triggering chronic inflammation. So we know that the medications can actually inhibit the regeneration of new, new cartilage. Um, that, so that's not a good thing. So they inhibit what they call your stem cells and the stem cells are the regenerative cells of the body. So maybe one at one, you know, taking them once or twice periodically, maybe not such a big deal. Um, but if you're taking them on a regular basis, you're, you have pain which is caused by something, then you're taking an anti-inflammatory, which actually suppresses the body's ability to deal with whatever's causing that issue potentially. And the other part of that issue is, is that now you inhibit the regeneration or regrowth. So what I see in a lot of our, my patients who have chronic joint issues is I take a look at the rest of their history, especially if they have gut issues, because we, what we're seeing in the literature and the research is that many times problems from within the GI tract, dysbiosis, uh, leaky gut syndrome, uh, elevations of what we call lipopolysaccharides or LTA uh, can cause um, inflammation in other tissues and specifically the cartilage tissue. So we've seen problems with bacteria and yeast getting into the joints, breaking down the cartilage, and they're at the root of the issue. So we need to kind of understand what's causing somebody's health issues. Sometimes it's the supplementation they're doing to try and be healthy on a regular basis. And so the things they're doing, why are you taking that? Well, because it's good for you. Well, it's also maybe causing or contributing to your arthritic conditions like calcium can contribute to the breakdown of the joint cartilage. Uh, iron supplementation may contribute to the breakdown of the, the, the joint cartilage. So it's not like more stuff, more supplementation is always better. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's one of the triggering things that causes our joints and tissues to break down. And I guess the last point on that is if, if you have somebody who's active exercising and they have joint problems, hey, go see somebody who does physical medicine, chiropractor, physical therapist, find out if there's problems in the mechanics that are leading to abnormal joint movement, work, get, work on improving the joint movement and improve the muscular function around that tissue and maybe your joint discomfort goes away. All right, let's answer this last question. Emmy in California. I've struggled with my weight my entire life. Sometimes it's easy for me to drop three dress sizes, but sometimes it takes months and months just to lose five pounds. Do you think that this is possible? I could have a metabolism problems or maybe a hormonal imbalance. Talk about just how hormones play such a big part in weight loss. Well, listen, there's a lot in that little part, right? If she's able to, if she's gaining weight, 
right? That easily and that quickly, then there's some problem with her metabolism, right? There's problem with her diet, potentially. There's problem with metabolism. Something in lifestyle is creating stress that's causing her, her metabolism to slow down. And then when she's adding the calories, her body's not efficiently burning those calories. Typically, when you think about it, if you eat more calories than the body needs, you should your thyroid hormone physiology should actually speed up to deal with that excessive calorie load. Um, people who... Uh, eat calories and then they can't and they're not losing the weight thyroid hormones not working at the cellular level so that excess caloric load that they can't use immediately is going into um going into their adipose tissue so they're going to gain weight she's sometimes she can easily drop three sizes in her dress you got to be thinking she's doing a significant calorie restricted diet to do that um and if she's drastically reducing caloric causing this caloric restriction and dropping weight like that is probably creating a stress response on her cells and then creating cellular hypothyroidism. And now she's going to have a harder time losing weight as times go on. So without a doubt, thyroid hormone, estrogen, cortisol, almost all the hormones can play a positive or negative role in weight loss or weight gain. And so if you're struggling with, you know, if you're not, if you're, if you're, weights changing five pounds per, you know, up or down per week. I, I, I wouldn't worry about that at all. I mean, based on what you eat, how often you go to the bathroom, what's your sleep like, but if you're slowly and steady, steadily increasing your body weight and then you go through a, you know, a, some type of diet of the month and you lose your weight, but then it comes right back again. As soon as you restore normal eating, you definitely have a metabolic problem going on and you need somebody to take a look at what's actually causing it. Um, and so you can uh, identify what the root cause or causes might be. And then somebody can set the strategy for the best way to help you fix it. Do you see people with a lot of estrogen dominance having problems losing weight? Absolutely. Estrogen is proliferative. Estrogen slows down thyroid physiology. I mean, think about what happens, you know, most girls, young ladies go to college, right? If they get on, you know, if they start taking birth control, either to prevent pregnancy, or they get on birth control to normalize a bleeding cycle. You know, what do we see? We see, you know, them gain weight. We say, hey, you put on the freshman 15 or whatever. And we blame it on diet nutrition, but probably the bigger issue may be we've loaded them with estrogen. The estrogen mm -hmm. shut down their sodium iodide symporter. They can't get as much iodine into the system. Now they can't make as much thyroid hormone and estrogen really blocks or can slow down thyroid physiology at the cell because of the impact it has on, on hormone transporter mechanisms and its impact on the deiodinases, the enzymes that actually either activate or deactivate thyroid hormone. So uh, definitely see a huge issue with uh, estrogen imbalance issues, estrogen dominance issues, and people struggling with weight gain. Awesome. Well, I know you live in Pennsylvania, but you can see patients all over the country, correct? Yeah. So we have patients uh, take care of, you know, around the country, around the world. You know, that's the beauty of having things like Zoom uh, that makes it easier to see people. Um, and so, yeah, we have people locally, but we take care of people from all over the place. Well, where can our listeners go to follow you and your work? So 
My office is, they go to www.rejuvagencenter.com. That's the website for the office. The website's actually getting kind of re-rehabbed. Hopefully it'll be released pretty soon. Uh, they can find us at Rejuvagen or Rejuvagen Center on Facebook. Uh, we have a Instagram uh, that's either Dr. Eric Balkavich. That's primarily where I where I post. And we also have a Rejuvagen um Instagram, but most of the information on Instagram is on Dr. Eric Balkavage. Um, and then I do videos that you can find through Rejuvagen uh, on YouTube and Vimeo. And usually every Thursday, um, I do a Thyroid Thursday episode, which are short, you know, three to 10 minute tidbits on different aspects of thyroid physiology. Uh, and then I also have Thyroid Answers podcast that I do with uh, a colleague, Dr. Erica Riggleman. Uh, so we release that about every two weeks. We do release the podcast and uh, just sent off today. You know, we're working on a, hopefully have a book here finished in the next couple months uh, on thyroid physiology. So um, that should be out uh, hopefully in the next few months. We'll see. That's awesome. And I, I wanted to ask you, you know, the big word that everyone's starting to talk about is methylation dysfunction right now. Talk about that for people who don't know what that is. Give people a little brief description of what it is and what you do for that. So, yeah, methylation, I think, has its highs and lows. I mean, I, I got really into it a number of years ago. We still help people manage with it. But methylation, a methyl donor is a carbon and three hydrogen molecule that is used. And it's methylation means the transfer of that methyl group to another substance. And it's part of um, it can be used to either turn on or turn off genes. It can also be used to... Uh, stimulate what we call detoxification reactions or a number of reactions in the body. It doesn't just have to be detoxification. Um, and so it's a critical part of, of cell health and cell function. Um, when somebody's got a methylation issue, it, it come, we still come back to the same kind of thoughts. Why do they have a methylation issue and what's the best way to address it? Some people would say, well, I've, I've been told I have a methylation issue. I just need to put more B vitamins in the system and that should fix it. Uh, no, probably not. You know, for maybe 50% of the people that may work. And for the other 50% of the people, they may, um, they may, it may not work or they may actually feel worse. So I think at the end of the day, methylation is critically important, especially when it comes to when we're talking about weight issues and weight loss and estrogen physiology. It's a really important thing. But the big issue is if you have methylation issues, uh, don't get up, don't get too caught up in taking a methylation supplement to try and fix the problem. You really want to get to the root cause issues first. And people talk about MTHFR. I have MTHFR and that's my problem because it's on my genetics. Um, it may not be. I mean, there's a lot of people that have genetic, pre we, we actually, we all have genetic SNPs. Um, and people have MTHFR, heterozygous, homozygous, or not at all. And they're either, it, it, it may be an issue or it may totally not be an issue. And so the big key is uh, if you've been told you have a methylation problem, it's a big deal, but the solution is to find out, okay, what's the, at the root cause of my methylation issue. And that's, probably going to find that more in a functional medicine model than an allopathic model. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been a pleasure having you on. And if you have a question that you want answers, go to questions at ChantalRayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.